Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Safe Haven Church. My name is Jarrett, and yep, that's not a typo in the program. I wish it was. I wish it was. Uh, As the opportunity was made aware to me about 10 or 11 days ago, thanks, Troy, uh, I immediately began to pray, pray for everyone in here. Two things. One, that you forgot to turn your clocks back, or that you all got a bad batch of candy and you were just blatantly sick. I'm sorry. I prayed it. That's the honest truth. But honestly, God answered the prayer because you're here. He said, no, nope, they're going to be there. I was really just hoping for the band, Troy, Jessica, my mom and my in-laws are back there, and I really wasn't even going to tell them, Jessica told them. So, uh, but yes, we're glad you're here. We are so glad you're here. If you're a guest with us, it's your first time joining us, welcome. We are an exegetical church. You will find us in the Gospel of Luke, as it says on the screen, and we are in chapter four today. We don't bounce around. We go straight through books of the Bible. And in order to do that, I would just like to recap you on where we've been for the past few weeks. We've been seeing Jesus do some things. Two weeks ago, we saw him enter into the wilderness for 40 days where he overcame temptation. And then last week, we saw him come out of the wilderness and return to his hometown of Nazareth and preaches his first sermon and proclaims that the scriptures have been fulfilled And what happens? Immediately the people become filled with wrath. And they take him out. And what do they try to do with him? Pull him off a cliff. So the irony is I'm preaching my first sermon today. Thanks. (laughs) What, What a passage to follow up for your first sermon, right? So if you're looking to meet with me after the sermon, just I'll politely decline. Just, just don't even ask. Just, we'll, we'll talk about it. I'll give you two or three days to think about it, okay, before we talk. So, for real, let's dive in today. We're going to see how Jesus is truly divine, his divine authority, and how we, hopefully, by God's grace, you will see that we can trust in him each and every day because he is divine, because he has all authority. So, you ready? All right, you know me, I'm energy. Are you ready? Okay, here we go, here we go. All right, let's dive in. Luke chapter 4, verses 31 through 41. Verse 31, and he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word possessed authority. I'm going to stop there for a second. The observation of authority. The people in the synagogue, they were awestruck. They were in wonder simply because Jesus shows up and he starts to talk. What does that mean? Why were they awestruck? What caused them to be in such wonder just by the sound of a man's voice? Was it his tone? Was it just the words carried an extra oomph? Did it have a little more pizzazz? It was just different. It was just different for some reason. And the only way I could envision this as I've been studying this week is I couldn't help but think of my dad. 
Many of you know the shepherds grew up at the ballpark. There's some of us in this room that grew up at the ballpark together. We had a lot of fun at the ballpark. And there was one way that my dad would announce himself, essentially, at the ballpark. He would step in and he'd say, Peanuts! Popcorn! Cold drinks! And everybody turned their heads. It was funny. But looking back on it, that's how he said, Hey, Jarrett, we're here. We're here. It didn't matter where I was in the park. It didn't matter if I was two fields over. It didn't matter if I was in right field. He was in the parking lot in left field. It did not matter. As soon as he came on the scene and the first letter P and peanuts came out of his mouth, I knew he was there. It was different. It was different than anybody else. When they got in the stands and you go to the plate, let's go, Shep. Do your job. Let's make a play right here. Everybody could be saying that, but as soon as my dad opened his mouth, all right, Shep, do your job. Boom. It was different. The authoritative power in my dad's voice rang much more clear in my ears than anybody else. So we can only assume, or I would assume, that those people had been come to the church or come to the synagogue for many weeks, years, hearing multiple teachers, scribes preaching. But all of a sudden, Jesus comes on the scene, and he begins to teach, and it's different. It's unique. There is a certain authoritative power in his voice, and they knew it immediately. That's what we see today. That's Jesus' authority. And because he has that different, unique voice, we indeed can trust in him. We can trust in him. We can put our faith in him in all the ways we do each and every day because he is unique. He's different. He's different. So we have an observation of authority. And now we're going to see, as we move forward, a proclamation of his authority. Verse 33. And in the synagogue, there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice, Ha! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are the Holy One of God. A proclamation of Jesus' authority. Notice the contrast here between the people and the unclean spirit. The people just hear, and they can tell, they can sense something's different, but they aren't quite sure, they can't quite put their finger on it. And the, the unclean spirit just says, hey, we know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. How do the demons know that? Because they've been there. Ever since the beginning of time, they've been there. Go all the way back to Genesis 3. We went through it a couple years ago. Satan's in the garden, comes to the garden. He deceives Eve. They, they take the fruit. Adam and Eve both partake in the fruit. They kicked out. But what does God tell them? Hey, we're going to send one to crush their head. They know who he is. They know his authority. They know their days are numbered. They know Jesus' purpose. He is to come and destroy. 
the Holy One of God. That's what the demons proclaim. He's holy. He's perfect. He's without blemish. He is the fulfillment of the law. Which is the only way we can have faith, right? If he isn't holy, what is our faith based on? If he's not holy, if he's not perfect, if he had a blemish, why would we need faith? We can do whatever we want, right? He's holy. He's perfect. He's without blemish. He is the one. He's exclusive. He's the only way that we can enter into a right relationship with the Father. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. He is the one. He's the one. Because he's the one, we can trust him. And he's of God. Just last week, we saw where Jesus in Luke 4, verse 18, proclaimed in the synagogue in Nazareth, the Spirit of of the Lord is upon me. He's of God. He is of God. He's divine. He has all authority. He is of God. And then, even more so, a few weeks earlier, we saw where he went to the Jordan to be baptized by John the Baptist. John the Baptist baptizes him. What happens? The heavens literally opened up. And the Spirit of God comes down and descends on him like a dove. Like a dove. Audibly, visibly, you could see the Spirit come down. The heavens opened up. He is of God. He's just not one. He's just not holy and not the one. Or he's just not the one and not of God. He is holy. He is the one. He is of God. He has all three. So because he is the Holy One of God, we can trust him we can put our faith in him we know that he is the same he's there now he was there then and he will be there in the future he is ever ever present in our lives he is the holy one of god for some of us in the room that's super comforting to us right now praise god that you sent your son some of us in the room scares us just like it scared the demon. And some of us in the room, you hear it, you know it, but you don't want to have anything to do with it, so you just suppress it. I can assure you today, you can trust him. You can. He is divine, he is authoritative, he is the Holy One of God, and you can trust in him today. So we have an observation of authority, we have a proclamation of his authority. And next, as we move forward, we're in true safe haven passion, or excuse me, in true safe haven fashion, we'll see a displation of his authority. You know, we can make up words around here, right? <laughs> we're going to see his authority on display. Let's keep going with verse 35. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent. And come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm, 
And they were all amazed and said to one another, What is this word? For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And reports about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. Jesus displays his supernatural, super spiritual, sovereign authority. Again, how does he do this? He opens his mouth and he speaks. He just simply says, be silent and come out of him. Be silent and come out of him. And the demon leaves. And the demon leaves. What kind of power just at the sound of a voice commands the demons to leave? That's the divine authoritative power of God. Then notice the people's response here. Again, they're amazed. And they said to one another, what is the word for with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits to come out? Can't help but think, put myself in their shoes. Sitting in the synagogue, listening to a man teach and preach. All of a sudden he's challenged by another man. With unclean spirit, no, be silent, shut up, sit down over there, get out. And it happens. Can't even, huh? What? Really? Like, I'm just amazed that when, you know, Evie does a cartwheel or, you know, reads a book right for a whole page for the first time. I can't imagine, like, being there seeing Jesus just tell a demon to come out of a man huh like how because he's divine because he has all authority he is the holy one of God he can do that but not only are they shocked or amazed but clearly everything is becomes their excitement becomes uncontainable they go out reports go out and they tell others about what they've seen time and time again throughout scriptures we see Jesus flex his divine authority he puts it on display for us to see and he also does it still today still today for us simply just by going outside and look at his creation you stand right here I can see the trees out there they're beautiful how, how in the world do they just stand up right there without being blown over by the wind and falling down across the road or over here where they're overhanging on the building where they fall in and crash the building. He holds them up. Or yesterday morning, you got to see the sunrise down at the crow farm in Akron. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Sun comes up, begins to just get a little orange. Then you see all the colors starting to come to life and you hear the birds chirping like it screams of his authority it screams of his authority and then we were sitting outside last night it's getting dark the stars like when you can really see the stars I know the Nicholson's went camping this weekend like when you can really see the stars they're amazing in Psalm 147 he says he determines the numbers of stars, and he gives to all of them 
their names. He has the authority and the divine nature to look at the stars, a gazillion of them, and call them each by name. That's divine authority. A lot of us go to the beach. We go to the beach. Me, from, I'm not much of a beach person, but I go because the family goes, right? You go to the beach. You go and sit on the sand, right? And you look out and you see the ocean. It's vast. It's massive. Who keeps the water right there? God, Jesus, the sovereign divine authority to hold the waters at bay. Job 38.8, who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out of the womb? He's perfect. He's divine. He is the Holy One. Because he's divine, because we can trust in that divine authority. I don't know if some of you may be like me, but we have the divine nature of God, and we like to kind of just put it up over here. It's things that we know we have absolute zero control over. The tree standing up there, the sun rising, the stars being there. Just waking up and breathing every day. Oh, I did it. Thank you, Lord, you did it today. I had zero control over that. It's up here. But if he can control those things, surely he can control our everyday, day-to-day, regular mundane things in life too, right? Surely he can do that. And that's what we'll see here. Verse 38 And he arose, and he left the synagogue, and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her and rebuked her, or rebuked the fever, excuse me, and it left her. And immediately she rose and began to serve them. And now when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases, brought them to him. And he laid his hands on every one of them, and he healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak, because they knew that he was the Christ. Now, that last part, he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak. I'm not going to get into that today. Uh, I'll leave that one for your community group dive into that and see why he wouldn't allow him to speak. Here we come to the second display. He displays his day-to-day, at-table, mundane, normal authority. If we know that Jesus is divinely authoritative, as the demons claimed that he was the Holy One of God, surely we can trust him in the day-to-day, right? And that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday afternoon after church, Sunday morning at church, Sunday morning when you get up trying to get here on time and you're angry at your spouse and you're dragging your child by the arm to get in the truck to get there on time, surely we can trust him in those times too, right? 
Notice how he just went to Simon's house to go have lunch. He has not quite called the disciples yet. We're going to get to that in a couple, maybe next week, week after that. So Simon, we can assume Simon's just his friend right now at this time. And he goes in, and there's his mother-in-law with a fever. And they appeal to him. He says, yeah, okay, I'll do it. So he goes over and he speaks, rebukes the fever, and it leaves her, and she immediately gets up. So if he is divine and he controls all of this, but here we see that he's also caring and compassionate, the human side of him, we'll say. He cares. He's compassionate enough just to see the immediate need of Simon's mother-in-law right there that, hey, she doesn't feel too great. She's got a high fever. Non-demonic, high fever. Rebuke. Get out. And immediately, she gets up. Immediately, she gets up. Now, the last time I had fever, I didn't immediately get up after it was gone. Still took me a couple days. She immediately gets up. He cares. He's compassionate. Not only does he care about our spiritual needs, he does indeed care about our natural, normal, everyday needs. Because, look, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. Every one of them. doesn't say that he knew them. He just said, hey, they brought them out. I mean, it's, it's different when you do something for somebody you know, right? Like, I know Andy. Andy calls me to go help him. I'm going to go help him because he's my friend. I care for him. It's a different kind of caring and compassion when just some total random person just shows up, right, and needs something. It's another level of compassion and care. That's what we're dealing with here. He knows his purpose, He knows he's come to bring all who will believe. All who are heavy and we're related. Bring them. Come to me. I'm here. I'm here. He understands what his purpose is. He cares. He's compassionate. He wants to be there for us too. Because realistically, here's, here's, here's what happened, right? All the way back in Genesis, he created a garden. It was perfect. It was just what he wanted. And then sin entered the world. We chose the diseased fruit. We chose the forbidden fruit. And right then and there, he could have just said, that's it, I'm done, no more. Wipe it all out. But he cares. He doesn't have to. Doesn't have to care. Could just say, nope, that's it. We're done. But he cares. And he still chooses to come sit at the table with us. That's why we can trust him. He's divine. He's authoritative. He is the Holy One of God. So what do we do with this? 
What do we do with this? We've seen people observe his authority, not sure what it is, but they know it's different. We've seen the demons proclaim who he is. They know their days are numbered. And then we've seen Jesus display it for the masses. So how does that apply to us? For the unbeliever in the room? You're probably sitting there saying, Jared, what in the heck are you talking about? And here's what I'm talking about. The divinely authoritative God of the universe sees you right where you are. He sees you in your sin and he still wants you to come to him. You can trust in him today. He is there waiting for you. Won't you trust today? Please trust in him today. For the believers in the room, we trust in his authority, right? In his divine, supernatural, spiritual authority? Yes, absolutely. But also because of that, we can trust in his day-to-day, at-dinner authority. We can. He's caring. He's compassionate. He wants to be there. So, do you trust him? Do you trust him? Do you trust him when you wake up in the morning? Go brush your teeth? Do you trust him when you get ready for work? Get in the car? Commuting down the road and all of a sudden, boom! Somebody cuts you off? Ooh, what you gonna say there? Yeah? We all say it. It's okay. I say it about every other day. Sometimes I'm the one cutting people off. (laughs) But do you trust him? You can trust him. In your work, in your interactions with your coworkers, your employees, your customers. Do you trust him? In your marriage, if you're single and you're dating, do you trust that the gospel that Jesus is divine and his authoritative power is enough to bring your marriage closer together and to spur each other on for his glory? Some of you may be battling some anxiety, depression, stuff like that. Do you trust him? He is the Holy One. He's there. He's waiting. In your hobbying, going to the ballpark, Watch your kids. Watch your grandkids play ball. Playing golf. Watching Alabama football with your friends. Do you trust him in your parenting? When the knuckleheads won't do what you want them to do. Do you trust him in your resting? When life is so crazy and you feel like you have so many things to do, there's just not enough hours in the day to get it all done, and just like I've had it. Can you rest in him? Do you trust in him to just give you rest? Because he can. He can. In your health. In your sickness. 
in your ordinary non-demonic fevers. In your flu. Cancer. Heart problems. All those things. Whatever. Can you trust him? Do you trust him? You can. Or when the doctors come in the room and they look at you. Say, Mr. Shepherd, we've done all we can do. There's nothing else left to do. And all of a sudden, you just feel the entire weight of the world crashing down on you. Do you trust him? Because you can. He's there. He's been there. He will be there. He will never leave. He's there. You can put your entire faith and trust in him. He is the Holy One of God. So do you trust him? So as the band comes back up, I'll just close you with one question. If we talk about trust, and what does trust come down to? It comes down to faith, right? So what is your definition of faith? Is your faith a I believe so that you will do what I want you to do? Or is it, Lord, you can do whatever you want and I will still believe. Do you trust him? Because you can. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are divine, that you do indeed possess all authority, that you can control the cosmos and that you can simultaneously control the dinner table. So God, we thank you for your text. We thank you for your goodness. We ultimately thank you for your son. It's in his name we pray.